This is Mark Mullinex, and welcome back to our Tao Te Ching class entitled Power for the Peaceful. Today, verse 28, takes two wings to fly. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. Sweet sound of the river as she moves over the stones. The same song that the blood in your body sings as it weaves around your bones. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? We cannot know the great things of the universe until we know ourselves to be great things. I once heard this Hasidic tale. We need a coat with two pockets. In one pocket there is dust, and in the other pocket there is gold. We need a coat with two pockets to remind us who we are. Parker Palmer, The Courage to Teach, Exploring the Inner Landscape of a Teacher's Life. You think because you understand one, you must also understand two, because one and one make two. But you must also understand and. Rumi. Welcome back to this always free podcast in which we seek to discover, week by week, the truths of one verse of Tao Te Ching. Our reader today is Laurel Reinhardt, Ph.D., a life, health, wellness, dream coach, author, and fiber artist. I'll put her websites and contact info in the show notes. Verse 28 is a great introduction to how, at many, maybe all levels, there are no strangers. While Walt Whitman wrote that I am large, I contain multitudes, these multitudes within are not alien to us. We are not estranged into warring camps of friends and enemies, of thises and thats. We do not have to live hostage to unknowable forces or divided by dualistic strange forces seemingly at civil war within ourselves or with others. What if our apparent cracks and divisions, both within ourselves or within our society, are but, to use Leonard Cohen's much-loved phrase, places where the light gets in. There are many things in life that seem not to go together, but when they do, they create a wondrous third thing. I'll start the list with two apparent opposites, peanut butter and jelly. They are wondrous each in themselves, but when combined, they are also wondrous. Strawberries and balsamic, watermelon and salt. Going Beyond the food combos, we can cite a few odd pairings that work together in harmony. A copier and a telephone equals a fax machine. A bell and a clock, an alarm clock. Iron and tin produce bronze. You see, synthesis is Tao's process, not separation. An introvert and an extrovert can live into a happy marriage, though their approaches to marriage may be quite divergent. A person is not integrated, said psychologist Carl Jung, until she or he has integrated all their gender expressions within, or their shadow sides. 
Within each male, there's a little bit of female and vice versa. Within each heterosexual, since sexuality is a spectrum anyway, there's a little bit of gayness and vice versa. The grounded person will not keep their different aspects separate, but find ways to handshake them one with each other. And that is the powerful message of the yin-yang symbol. In every darkness there's light and vice virtue. With that intro, let's go to the verse. Verse 28, Integrity. 1. Couple masculine ways with feminine methods to be the never-ending cradle of the world. Be that cradle, and ancient virtue never abandons you. You never deviate from your original wisdom and newborn innocence. 2. Couple brightness with darkness to know heaven's constant pattern. Model this pattern. Virtue never ceases restoring you to your original boundless state. 3. Couple splendor with humility to become heaven's womb. Like an uncarved block of wood, you return to your natural luminous state and so become any sort of vessel for every need. You cannot lose. 4. Naturally, without artifice, sages use the simplest to bring out the greatest. Yin and Yang, the most famous concepts in Taoism for most Westerners, are directly mentioned by name in but one place in the entire Tao Te Ching text. And today's verse is not that place. We await verse 42 to show us that single time. However, the awareness of yin and yang, where two apparently contradictory ideas merge into one cooperative, complementary, and collaborative union, it runs through the text of Tao Te Ching. It happens all the time. In everything, one may discover a seed of its complement. Within everything, we might see first as light, high, right side, performative, giving, peaceful, cooperative, silent, and so on. Non-opposing contrast or complements also abide. Dark, low, left side, spectator, receptive, energetic, competitive, and noisy. The reverse is also true. In every one of the latter complements, there are elements and traces of the former, regarded as necessary complements, to be embraced, not battled. Think yin-yang symbol. Appreciate these complements as twins. To merge them or to have them in dialogue is peace, not struggle. Complements make for trouble only when misunderstood as adversaries or dismissed as isolated standalones. However, our task is to understand these twins correctly. To be whole, entire, perfected, or completed means that one has done the hard work of integrating both sets of complements, not in a winner-take-all dualistic mindset, but seeing each set shaking hands with the other talking with the other, taking each other on metaphorical dates. Think of everything as containing its inverse, converse, or reverse, like a coin needing both sides, a magnet requiring two poles, or a person with a front and back, an inside and outside. Yin Yang speaks to the necessary fusion of the entire whole within itself. Nothing is alien. 
My shadow side is as necessary to me as breathing in and breathing out. Breathing in and out being yet another yin-yang complement. One must do both to live. One can only fly with two wings, not one. So lesson number one, maintaining a balance of yin and yang is the very source for peace that Tao provides. Balanced, flying with two wings, one is peaceful. But unbalanced, attempting to just breathe in only or fly with one wing only, one is never peaceful. Followed to their conclusion, the two paths must certainly end by coming together. For, in the nature of things, everything that is faith must rise, and everything that rises must converge. Teilhard de Chardin, The Future of Man. Sometimes these complementary ideas that merge don't seem at first to lend themselves to pairing together. But let me remind us once again that the worldview of Taoism is not dualistic, where apparent opposites are not contrarian antagonists, existing only to make war or become first against the other. See verse 2 for more of this worldview. Two things or states, like night and day, female or male, earth or heaven, inside or outside, when Tao leads, they share a common cooperative cause or resolve. May we please furlough our dualistic habits long enough to see how Tao enables this most profound and sometimes most unlikely cooperation in all nature. Even if our common sense says, nah, that'll never happen. Case in point, from the Pulitzer Prize winning book, The Denial of Death by Ernst Becker, Therein, he made the maddening but true claim. We are gods with anuses. Put that on your mirror for a month. When you listening, when you listening, are you listening? When you listening, when you listening, are you listening? So, What do I mean here? Every person born has a most unlikely infusion of both yang and yin, from genetics to heritage to just living every day. For example, I have in the legacy from my parents some things I may never fully understand or like or integrate. But we are not, I think, healthy when we deny any single aspect. In J.R.R. Tolkien's The Hobbit, the main character, Bilbo Baggins, struggled throughout the book to understand and to unite two things. One, the safety-driven, stay-at-home sensibility of his Baggins, or father's side, with the adventurous, bold, and risk-taking side of his mom, or the Took side. Throughout the book, Bilbo provides a wonderful recombination or recipe of both. And as Bilbo listens to his took side more and more, readers see more of a solid adventure within him than had initially appeared. A magnet works only because it integrates, not separates, north and south within its very structure. Trees grow down so they can reach the sky. 
Psychology tells us we have a shadow side, and until we recognize and, yes, embrace it, we will only live the poorer. You need both eyes to see depth, right? But if your eyes are like mine, they are vastly different in their powers to see. Same for ears. One can echolocate sounds better with two ears, not one. Parts unite into holes. Differing parts can make up for and even enhance the weakness of other parts. Everything has its place, its home. Every spark of friendship and love will die without a home. From the song Intervention by Arcade Fire. More complimentary examples of yin and yang. According to the Christians, the most unlikely alliance of a human being, Jesus, and the Godhead brought about a realignment in how to reconceive both humans and God. It was a most unlikely and very controversial pairing. Jesus also practiced a yin and yang sensibility in his teaching strength through weakness and loving one's enemies. When one wants to be first always, one is actually last. So our verse this week delves into the concepts of integrity, balance, simplicity, highlighting the creative interplay between apparent opposites and the pursuit of a virtuous life. Virtuous, of course, is virtue, te. Tao celebrates the integrated binaries of yin and yang, of mutually interpenetrating things like waves and the ocean, or bees and flowers. This celebration, however, is more a dance of inseparables and less the Western dualism of warring passions, where one must uncompromisingly take sides and conquer the other at all costs. Many of us say, my head tells me one thing, but my heart another. However, joining mind with heart yields much more harmony. Separations and distinctions are artificial and render no benefits except to partisan thinking. Why put things, ideas, or people into these contrived contests? This is the beginning of a very disturbed culture. So please listen to Mother Teresa's self-understanding of this verse's truth. Note her cooperation with darkness and light. If I ever become a saint, I will surely be one of darkness. I will continually be absent from heaven to light the light of those in darkness on earth. Mother Teresa, come be my light. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening? So let's break down the verse's lines for a couple of moments. In the opening lines of this verse, Lao Tzu offers the coupling of masculine ways with feminine methods as a metaphor for the yin and yang, the complementary but related forces that underlie all of existence. Every original listener to or reader of Lao Tzu would get this. The imagery of a never-ending cradle of the world evokes the idea of nurturing and sustenance, akin to the way the universe provides for all beings. That is, when united within, 
one is actually a force of Tao for the universe. By embracing both yin and yang aspects of existence, one not only stops being a one-sided, off-balanced force, but one becomes a vessel through which the harmonious dance of opposites occurs. What's more, this state of being the cradle of the world also means that one sheds so much baggage of self to become very much like a baby, not discriminating like a more mature person does. As Paulo Coelho wrote, Maybe the journey isn't so much about becoming anything. Maybe it's about unbecoming everything that isn't really you. So you can be who you were meant to be in the first place. So by being the cradle, one is like a baby. Of course, this all may be messy or awkward at times, but the Taoist sees nothing, absolutely nothing, alien. Her attitude is symbiosis, not stability. Tao is a balancing act between ever-changing yin and always shape-shifting yang. But in this state of alignment, ancient virtue, that is our original nature, shines through whatever cracks we may still have. No mud, no lotus. Thich Nhat Hanh. The second part of this verse couples brightness with darkness as a means to understand the constant pattern of heaven. This pattern can be likened to Tao itself, the underlying principle that governs all things. Just as bright day follows dark night in an unceasing cycle, the patterns of life's ups and downs, like brightness plus dark, are inseparable parts of our existences. By recognizing this inherent rhythm, and accepting both the light and the shadow, the individuals gain insights into the broader cosmic harmony, of which they are both part and player. The third part of the verse introduces the coupling of splendor with humility, likening such to becoming heaven's womb. Here the imagery shifts towards creation and nurturing potential. Humility often associated with yielding, flexibility, and open-mindedness, becomes the fertile ground for spiritual growth. In this surrendering, the need for control, we become vessels for higher forces. Heck, other forces to work through. Vessels with no limits as to usefulness. That metaphor of an uncarved block of wood alludes to the unadorned and natural state of being. Just as a raw material can be shaped into various forms, the uncarved, unprocessed self possesses the potential to adapt to any situation. Our original nature is uncomplicated, undyed, uncarved by the sheer forces of culture. This aligns with the Taoist principle of adaptability and underscores the idea that one's true power lies in one's authenticity and willingness to change without losing one's core essence. Just remember one's true nature. Until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. Carl Jung. The concluding statement, naturally without artifice, sages use the simplest to bring out the greatest, underscores the beauty of simplicity, both in action and in mind. 
sages, and wise individuals who align themselves with Tao understand that complexity often leads to confusion, while simplicity allows for clarity and profound insight. Remember our earlier method of clearing a muddy glass of water? Just let it be. By embracing opposites, one is authentic. And by practicing humility, one taps into the wellspring of ancient wisdom that Tao Te Ching offers. So Tao Te Ching, verse 28, serves as a guide to living a life of integrity, balance, simplicity. It encourages individuals to embrace the interplay of opposites, nurturing those qualities within that align with the natural patterns of the universe. By embodying the nurturing cradle, understanding heaven's constant patterns, and becoming a vessel for others, one can lead a path, Tao, guided by virtue, Te. See this verse acting as a timeless beacon, illuminating one's path with reminders of how our true nature operates and how we can live with artless freedom. Those often neglected qualities, the feminine, darkness, and humility actually serve as the most integral ingredients in one's recipe for harmony. Tao's virtue operations depend on the complementary integration of the yin-yang twins, the obvious and the neglected. Otherwise, there's no wholeness or harmony. Separating the world into either-or dualities and arrangements is a false and needless complexity that leads to warring passions that pseudo-womb from which every disorder, war, and scheme of ignorance proceeds. Lesson. There's a lot you can learn from what you think are unfavorable conditions. Pair one's male side with one's female nature. Pair a black and a white person for an hour's conversation. Pair a warrior with a peace saint. No guarantees. But destructive dualisms will continue if uninterrupted, right? Every person has a dark side. What defines a person with good character is their willingness to see in themselves their deepest and wildest selves, lust, greed, jealousy, and envy. Their complete and authentic self. A person with good character yearns to learn from mistakes, applying them and choosing not to repeat them. These are the friends to keep in your life because they have stared adversity in the face and became a better person because of it. Shannon Adler. So this teaching changes things, changes the world, changes your neighborhood, changes your weather, changes yourself. When one knows the truth about oneself, even if it's not so friendly, you think, there's less separation from one's shadow, which leads to a mending peace. Finally, consider this example of how the combining of two things, the yin of a simple Buddha statue and the chaotic yang of trash and crime, yielded more peace. The year is 2009, the place Oakland. Oakland resident Dan Stevenson was upset that his street had become a magnet for garbage dumping and petty crime. So on his chaotic yang street, he simply installed a concrete Buddha statue, yen, he purchased from the garden department of the local hardware store. Within months, local Vietnamese Buddhists assumed ownership of the statue, decorating it, painting, adorning, clothing it, 
and even housing it there on the street side. The garbage dumping stopped. Crime dropped 82%. Dan did nothing but install one statue to join Buddha and chaos. Maybe we should join our ideas of the sacred with chaos more often. Tao is not about going back to nature from your unnatural place in the world. No, it is the remembering and the reintegration of a pre-existing nature in you with whatever is unnatural. Paired like this, in cooperation and not antagonism, we have the beginning of the end to many a problem. Just ask Dan Stevenson. So homework. Find two things, two ideas, people, situations, or a mix of these, and pair things together perhaps for the first time for you. Over the next week or few days, what emerges from your new recipe? And now we have a question from Laurel. In the very first quote, we cannot know the great things of the universe until we know ourselves to be great things. It causes me to wonder, when does knowing ourselves to be great turn into something more like egoism or narcissism? Thank you for this very hard <laughs> question because I have an ego and I claim all the time that I have it under control. And yet, if I go a few days without checking my oil level or checking my engine lights or just if I, if I don't do a check-in inside I find that I do get wrapped around self I want to know how many people are listening to this podcast I want to I want to know I want to know how effective I've been and that's ego that is ego so I'm I'm guilty of this how do I know that I've gone too far I hurt someone's feelings. Mm, yes. That's always a good indicator that I've hurt someone's feelings. And of course, when I've hurt someone's feelings, I say, no, not me. And then, <laughs> then I realize, oh, it was me. And that brings me down quite a few notches. I guess another way that you could have a steady practice is, a, is to have a daily meditation practice in which you ask yourselves, how's my ego today? Where is it, where is it pushing me? What mm -hmm. buttons are it trying to push? Uh -huh. And that would be a good way to do that. But it's a slippery slope. It's very difficult. You may have some experiences in your own pr practices of when to know. How, do you, how does one know? Um, I, I do know that I occasionally hurt someone's feelings. And I always think it's out of, um, I've made a joke that I thought was funny. Yeah. And, and it wasn't to the other person, or they didn't get it. And so I think that's one place where I fall into that trap yeah. of thinking that, you know, I know enough to be funny. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, this is, you know, everything in Taoism and Buddhism is, is, takes a long view. And it's like not it's not like your ego is better today than yesterday. It's more like this decade is my ego better off or not treating me like an enemy uh, than last decade. It's, it's that kind of long view. 
That's that's a relief. <laughs> it, it, it is, yeah. Uh, but it still means you got work to do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there's still this this water cleansing water that needs to seep in and start that's cleansing and it's softening. But that takes a long time, especially if you have a well developed ego. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it's interesting because the Sufis say that it's important to have a strong ego. Why is that? Um, because, oh. because otherwise you'll just fall into the trap of uh, following. I see. So, but that would be, that sounds like more of a healthy ego. Yes, and it mo- is. Most and of the time in this podcast, I'm using ego in the unhealthy way mm-hmm. of, I, my, it's the I, my, me, mine, mind. Yes. Yeah. It all revolves around me. How cool <laughs> is that? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, like a, the sun used to revolve around the earth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What's that Rumi poem or Hafez poem? Like, the moon says to the sun, you owe me. It's a great, <laughs> great line. But, but last Tuesday, um, and I mentioned this a little bit in my last podcast, I was really schooled by the nuancing of my class at the Taoist Tradition School of Chinese Medicine, where I teach a mindfulness course. Mm-hmm. And they were nuancing the heck out of everything I said. Wow. And these were people who'd had traumas, uh, cult experiences. They were not all white, and so they had racism uh, as, as part of their, their makeup. Mm-hmm. And they weren't letting me off with anything. And I thought I was just doing the greatest thing ever. <laughs> and the, not that they pointed my, a finger and, and said, you suck, Mullinax. But they did say, you haven't seen it all. True. And that is a, a cool way to, to help bring in or rein in your ego day by day. You haven't seen it all. Mm-hmm. You haven't heard it all. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my favorite Taoist meditations is to go through each of the six senses, seeing, hearing, taste, smell, touch, and thinking or brain, and try to find one thing brand new that's always been there. Wow. Always been there. <laughs> like like for right now, the touch... And, you know, I'm just now aware that my buns are sitting on this chair. Uh-huh. But I haven't been. So there's this idea that if you become aware of, of much more than just your ego, then you can calm the ego. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, at least that's what's worked, worked for me. Yeah. Now I've talked enough. What, what would you like to add to this? Well, I don't know if this is apropos or not, but... Uh, I remember Ram Das yeah. saying that one of his best practices was he had an altar and he had pictures of everyone that he loved. And then he had a picture of someone that he struggled with. Yeah, yeah. And his practice <coughs> was to be able to feel the same about each one of those people, including the one that he had trouble with. Yeah. And that brings you down yeah. to, yeah. to size, to acknowledge that, hey, we are all in this together. We are all worthy of being loved and cared about. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that. It reminds me so much of the meta 
meditations that you can do in which you first look at somebody in your mind's eye of someone you like and you say, may they be at peace, may mm-hmm. they be joyful and all and that. And then you find somebody in your mind's eye that you may have just passed on the street or in a car. May they, someone neutral, mm-hmm. so may they be at peace, may they be you know, finding joy in their life today. And then you go to the person you'd most like your child never to marry. <laughs> <laughs> And, and even, well, I'm not going to name names, but even that person you think is, is hopeless. Yes. Then you say, may they be perfected. May they be calm and peaceful. And have and, joy in their lives. Yes. Yes. And I'm not sure if it actually goes out from me and makes somebody calmer. But what it does to me is say, let go of the hatred. Yes. Let go of the crap that you've you put between yourself and others. And the judgments. And the judgments, yeah. And that's I think is ego driven. Yes. So yeah. I don't know if I, if this has gotten to your question or not, but uh it's fascinating. How do you know when to stop being an egotistical fool? <laughs> I mean every faith every faith that I know of is any good struggles with this. Yeah. Every faith. So anything else? I can't think of anything except um, this this particular uh, verse really highlights for me Carl Jung and, yeah. and a lot of his ideas about shadow and about anima and animus yeah. and bringing everything together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I love Carl Jung and his appreciation of Taoism or his use of Wu Wei and uh, especially Yin Yang to understand human psychology yes and uh, so I've mentioned Carl Jung oh maybe 10 or 15 times in my book uh-huh. so he's, he's, he's good all right thank you so much Laurel this thank has been you. a privilege to be with you oh it's been a delight thank you this podcast is an original labor of love designed written and co-produced by many whose central idea is that Tao Te Ching text and Taoism and Taoist practices are good news for today. Tao still speaks. Thank you, Dr. Laurel Reinhardt, for your voice and the time to talk about your question. Thank you, Audrey Davis, for your art. Thank you, Molly Hartwell, for singing. Fortress Press holds the copyright for any use of my Tao Te Ching translation. Thank you to you for being you and for being here. May your days begin in peace and become practices for radical hope. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening?